What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ringer Gambling Show. We are one day away from my favorite weekend of the year, House, and it's setting up to be an epic and magical one between these eight teams in these four games. I cannot wait to watch every single one of them, and I cannot wait to break down all of the games with you guys right now. I want to get your picks, and I want to share some of the research that I've uncovered for these games. Are you feeling as excited as I am entering this weekend? Sharpie, I have to tell you, the only way for me to prepare for this weekend, today is a salad day. Over the last couple of nights, we've been taping these House of Carbs. We've had the iconic food items from all of the NFL playoff cities going up head to head. And I'm the only one on the podcast who's eating every one of, of the remaining. We had eight different uh, contenders, four AFC teams, four NFC teams. Let me go through this super quick. We had wings from Buffalo, barbecue from Kansas City, chili from Cincinnati, hot chicken from Tennessee. The sourdough chowder bowl from San Francisco, amazing. Cheesesteaks from Philly, tacos from Los Angeles, brats and curds from Green Bay. What jumps off the page out, out of that mix for you, Sharpie? Well, I don't know. There's, I think there's three. The hot chicken sounds incredible. As long as it's, I'm sure it's hard to do it the same way you would get it in a restaurant, though, because, you know, of all the shipping and cooking and it's not exactly the same. I'm here so, to tell you they did an outstanding job of sending it in a very way you could replicate it. But please, please continue. Okay. So so that one, the wings from Buffalo, because I've never actually in Buffalo eaten wings. Oh. And so that sounds incredible. Um, and then I'm a I, I love tacos. But frankly, if you're going around picking out the best food to eat out of eight different cities, I'm there. Uh, like <laughs> I, I, it doesn't even matter. I like it all. So you know, th those three jump out to me the most, but I'm sure all of it was incredible. Well, I have leftovers, so maybe I'll ship some off. You're, you're, you're here in the DMV. I, I could still share. Holy cow. It's amazing. today. But today is definitely a salad day. I, I am also using today to, to it'll, it's the last day that we get to revel in the outstanding performance we had last week. I mean, last week was for winners, buddy. I know that you gave out a, a, a couple of selections by way of, of Sharp Analytics. I, my own self, you know, the, the things that we talked about on this show all came to pass. It felt really great. I mean, you had to have gotten some great feedback. Your props were, were all, all killing it. How'd you do on ultimately across the board? Um, across the board, so we we had two big bets last week, two one-unit bets. We won both of those. We added a little bit more on the 49ers. Um, 
Team total over 23 and a half, which was our lone loss. That was only a half unit play. The others were, were uh, full unit plays. And that one was frustrating, obviously, because they scored 23 points and didn't score a single point for the last 20 minutes of the game. Uh, so we won our two big ones, lost that one. Props went, I think, seven and two. Uh, on the big stuff, seven and three, something like that on, on everything. We hit this plus 600 that you did not get part of. God uh, damn it. I'm, Jared I'm not McKinnon. quite sure why. You, you, you put it out like at Jared a time McKinnon. I was, I was distracted. I was like trying to figure out what the menu was going to be. I, I can't remember why <laughs> I didn't get down on, on Jared. It was and then, Sunday morning. It was yes. Sunday morning, but the game was Sunday night football. Uh, but it was probably sometime around 1130 or 12 brunch, on brunch Sunday. Time. There were bloody Marys involved. Yeah, the Bloody Mary, so you missed out on the plus 600 winner. Yeah, it was it was a sick way to start the playoffs with those massive wins. And, you know, like I like I said, this time of year, we just roll. We just roll. We've rolled. I mean, we were 8-1 and one in the bowl season. In the postseason for the NFL, we started strong. We're usually really good in the playoffs in general. So we're going to be sharing a lot of stuff with you guys on this show that hopefully is going to cash as well. Why don't you let some people jump in this weekend? You let them get in on the service, right? If, even if you haven't bought it yet, right? You can buy it this weekend. Are you giving something out? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, well, we've reduced the prices on the website, right? Because there's only three yeah. weeks left. You got this round, the championships, and then the Super Bowl. So we just reduced the prices. But, you know, what the hell? We did it last week, gave 100 bucks off. We'll give 100 bucks off again, even though we already reduced the prices. So, NFL 100 will be the code. I'll I'll set that up. NFL 100, you can yeah. get 100 bucks off. There you uh, go, betting so buddies. That's, that's, there we that's, go. That's, that's the cheapest we'll be doing here. Let's <laughs> that's go. a really good deal. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna jump into these games, but before we do, I have a bone to pick with you. Okay. Um, do you know what your most popular tweet of this past week was over the last six days, seven days? What got the most the most traffic? Do you know the answer to this <laughs> off the top of your head? Yeah, you're well, laughing. I've had a few I think that have know. gone like massively viral. So yeah. I, I'm guessing it's the Washington football team one about Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, et cetera. You're guessing. That's your guess. It's like, yeah, 30. I mean, I've, I've had a number that have had like uh, 30,000 yes, uh, likes. Yes, but yes, I, I you think have. That's I know. One. I know the rarefied air you occupy on the social medias, my friend. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, this week, uh, I can't remember who the original author of of the tweet was, but it went it made all, all of the rounds, obviously, and landed in my inbox probably 500 times. It was a photograph of Kyle Shanahan, a photograph of Sean McVay, a photograph of Mike LaFleur. They all look like babies, by the way. I yeah. mean, this is from 2013, but all three of these young fellas were part of the Washington football team staff uh at the time and the punchline of the tweet was that's when washington hired jay gruden as its head football coach <laughs> with all of that talent now again these guys were 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 babies back then but is it is it really necessary i know they're all in the playoffs i know all their teams are in the free but what let's leave the wft that season is over that's a seven and ten team we don't have to keep talking about the wft at this juncture of this season warren come on I hear you. Uh, I apologize. I already saw the picture tweeted out by somebody else. Most people were talking about that picture as just like, oh my gosh, look at this, or these guys are still in the playoffs. What I did is I took the next step, which is to introduce <laughs> the fact that those guys were on Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad's staff in Washington. The team got rid of Mike and all of those guys, except for Sean McVay. And instead of elevating any of those guys or working hard to try to keep Mike LaFleur on the staff or obviously Kyle probably isn't going to go there if they get rid of his dad, but you never know. Um, they they brought in Jay Gruden, hired Jay Gruden. The other thing that frustrated me about that was, so Sean McVay is on the staff and he becomes the offensive coordinator, but Sean McVay is ready to move up and do something better, bigger and better. And they never get rid of Jay Gruden to promote Sean McVay to a role that he's more deserving of. And so Sean McVay then also leaves with Jay Gruden, still the head coach. So I get these comments. Oh, well, Sean McVay was still on the staff. Well, yeah, he was, but he still left while Jay Gruden was still head coach because they, they wanted to keep Jay Gruden, which was the whole point of the tweet. What's also funny about that one is that Adam Schefter liked that tweet 
and then tweeted it out himself slightly worded differently but the same exact concept like they they brought they kept they brought on Jay Gruden instead of these guys or something like that so instead of hitting the RT button you know he 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 <laughs> went the same direction that I did he went the yeah. same direction that I did which yeah, is that's right. mention the Jay Gruden element of the whole thing which makes it <laughs> infinitely worse but no hmm. I agree let's not catch strays for the WFT uh let's let's proceed and talk about these coaches as they're trying to advance into the post, you know, into the next round of the postseason. Yeah. So not, none of those coaches are involved in the first game of this incredible weekend that we have Tennessee going up against uh, Cincinnati. What's the, the line right now? Is it right now? It's three, three and a half, three and a half, stay, three and a half. So we're, we're not going to get to get it to three. It opened at four. It dropped down to three and a half. It just will not get to that three. Will it, it actually, it actually opened at two and a half at some oh. books, soft three at others. And had been bet up very quickly to three and a half in favor of the Tennessee Titans. Now, that happened like overnight Sunday night. It started taking a lot of money late Sunday night into Monday morning. um, And it was at three and a half when most people were kind of getting into the groove. Uh, Not everybody. Some people never sleep this time of the year. And some people are... Some people on games and, 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 you know, we're we're active at all times here. But... um, yeah, you've got to do that if you're trying to win in the postseason. You can't you can't be asleep at the wheel. Uh, and the total has seen a little bit of over money opened at 47 at most spots and is now up to 47 and a half. Although there's still a 47 out in Vegas, so not very many of these totals have actually seen much line movement. To be honest with you, so we we're we're taking um, you know we've been doing this all, all season long now more than than any other point uh, in the year we have to begin with weather and injuries we have we have our w and i uh uh overlay before we we start putting any of the you know x's and o's on the board we have to get the w's and the i's orchestrated here um i i think when i looked at the weather forecast a couple days ago didn't look like there was anything that concerning going on uh in nashville how's it lining up right now we are super lucky in all of these games i'll just say that off the bat um, but the weather lining up for Nashville Saturday afternoon, we're looking at a temperature of 36 degrees. We're looking at 0% chance of precipitation. It will be sunny at kickoff at 4.30. Well, I don't know exactly what time the sun sets. Uh, sun sets at 5.03. So it may be start to get dark. The lights will certainly be on. It'll be an incredible atmosphere, in my opinion. Those Nashville fans with their hot chicken in their bellies and their yeah. beers in their cup will absolutely be jacked up for this game. There's no doubt about that and provide a big home field advantage I'm anticipating uh, for the Tennessee Titans here. Um, But one of the biggest things we need to worry about, wind? Nope. Four mile per hour winds, gust of five, aka there's no gusts at all. This is going to be perfect and outstanding football weather. So perfect and outstanding football weather. Is that a good segue into how the injuries are, are, are behaving? I know from Tennessee's perspective, they have to be feeling like, uh, you know, a near a near perfect is this is going to be one of the rare occasions in this entire season that we're going to see, see A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the football field at the same time and maybe some Derrick Henry as well. Am I right about this? Yeah, I mean, they're going to announce it today officially, and um, it's hard to say. He posted a video yesterday where he was dancing to some music and some people thought that he was limping. I don't think that he was limping. I think he was just dancing to the music. Was um, he doing the gritty? I mean, you know, there is naturally no, a limp was, in was, some of these dances. There, there, there are. Uh, no, he was. He's more like kind of walking and dancing okay. at the okay. same time. Like I would say more like vibing to the music. Um, Got it. I think, he's, I think he's going to give it a go. I think he's built himself back up for this moment. Here's the interesting part about Derrick Henry, though, that kind of throws a little bit of a wrench into like what I'm anticipating here. And that is that the Tennessee Titans historically do not get a lot of efficiency out of Derrick Henry or explosiveness out of Derrick Henry, even when he's at 100% in the first quarter of games. Yeah. Where does he typically destroy teams? It's in the second half. It's in that third and fourth quarter where he's running over defenses that have been weakened from the beating that they've taken the first half of that game. And so, you know, one of the things we looked at when he first was gone is like, okay, well, they're actually not going to miss him that much in the first half of games. I shared all these statistics. Like people are like, oh my God, the team's going to fall off the map. I'm like, 
these other backs shouldn't have worse efficiency. He's been terrible in the first quarter of games, in the first half of games. So here's what my concern is. My concern is that they bring him back. He's obviously not 100%. We know that for a fact. They bring him back and he plays in this game and some at the beginning and he's not doing anything anyways. And I think that it's going to, then they're going to be like, oh, well, should we keep him going? Is he at 100%? And they might end up not playing him late, uh, which is when he's at his best. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, I think even if he's closer to 100%, the best way to utilize him would be to disguise it and to stick him out there on the very first play of the game and run a deep, deep play action fake where you're shoving that ball deep in his belly and then pulling it out and Ryan Tannehill hitting a big one down to A.J. Brown, even if that pass is incomplete, okay? It's second and 10, and now you can take Derrick Henry off the field and call your offense second and 10, third and whatever you end up picking up on second down. I would rather have that sequence than I would hand the ball off to Derrick Henry when everybody is expecting it especially the defense, and he gains one yard and then kind of a little air goes out of the sails, in my opinion. And I really would rather see them do the play action fake on first down. But Derrick Henry might be back. We'll see. And on the other side of the ball, Cincinnati, Larry Ogunjobi is definitely out, the defensive yep. tackle. And and Mike Daniels also, I think, is definitely out. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. So... Um, Trey Hendrickson little... will be back. Um, but those other two guys are massive. And this is why I think the Titans have a big trench advantage in this game. Yeah. So let's go ahead and, and, and do the breakdown. Um, I just want to, to say how much respect I have for Joseph Burrow, how much respect I have for, for Zach Taylor, for, for really everybody in the Cincinnati organization. Think about, you know, kind of, um, how down in the dumps the whole franchise was at kind of this time a year ago with Burrow recovering from his ACL tear. Um, you know, they're, they're approaching the draft. And what Cincinnati did in the draft was go get one of the most dynamic playmakers in all of football. What a debut by Mr. Chase. And what we saw out of Joseph Burrow was the fulfillment of exactly what Cincinnati could have hoped. And maybe beyond what Tennessee, I mean, Cincinnati could have hoped for um, out of Mr. Burrow, a genuine franchise quarterback, a guy that the entire put the entire league on notice this season. That Cincinnati, I'm knocking on wood because I want the continued good health and and for for the best version of Cincinnati to develop here. Kudos to Cincinnati. Kudos to Joseph Burrow. Kudos to Zach Taylor. It all ends here. I'm afraid. To it feels say. like it felt like there was going to be a big butt. It wasn't that well, a little butt. Yeah, I mean. This is the natural end to the run that they've they've been on. They have some work to do to shore up the defense. We just mentioned injury-wise a couple things that are going to be a problem for them. This Tennessee Titans, I'm going to lay the three and a half. I'm going to play the money line. I love this matchup. Um, you, Mr. Solak on Wednesday mentioned how good Mike Vrabel and Tennessee are with rest, they're like eight and oh, uh, against the spread when Rabel, you know, is coming off a bye. I've seen, you know, additional stats that, that bear this out. You can slice it and dice it however you want. When Tennessee and Mike Rabel have extra time, they are, uh, extremely effective. And I just think matchup wise, this is the best defense that Cincinnati may have encountered nearly all season, but certainly over, you know, the, this recent run that they've been on, they were only two and five, two out of five in the red zone last week against the worst red zone team in all of football, that being the Vegas Raiders. And that game was, was a close game. The Raiders had the ball at the end. And I thought, you know, maybe we were going to get one last uh, gasp out of Derek Carr. Kudos to that, that franchise as well for, you know, being as competitive as they were with everything they were up against. But this is the end of the road for Cincinnati. And they go out with their heads held high. Um, they've been incredible. They've been super fun to watch. It's a great story. Tennessee's a different class, especially with all this rest, especially with all their weapons. I'm on Tennessee, both the spread and the money line. I like it. I can't disagree. Here's my take on the game. The Tennessee Titans are the most disrespected number one seed that I have encountered in recent memory. 
I think no offense to the Titans fan base, but if the Titans just vanished from the playoffs, they didn't play last week and they never re-entered the playoff field, I think the vast majority of the country wouldn't even be able to tell otherwise. They would have completely forgotten about them. The playoffs would be about the Bills and the Chiefs on the AFC side of the ball, and nobody would even be considering the Tennessee Titans. Up, oh, the Tennessee Titans are the number one seed. What in the world? Who are who are these guys really to be the number one seed? I didn't even know that they were in the playoffs, right? That's kind of what my vibe from a nationwide perspective is of the Tennessee Titans, the most disrespected number one seed that I have seen. Conversely, the Cincinnati Bengals, are a team that is viewed as the most fun-loving, the most exciting, the most happy-go-lucky, the most incredible underdog left in this field. Um, they're the team that you know kind of surprises a lot of people and might be able to go on this run here. They've got Joe Burrow, you know, national champion, nationwide star who smokes his stogies after the games, and I love him for that. I think he's a great dude. I think he's a lot of fun, and he's a great quarterback. They got Jamar Chase, the first-round pick, like you said. they It worked out for them. They hit it, and they hit a home run with him. That combination is incredible. And then they won against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that cemented it for a lot of people. But this team is so fun to watch and so exciting. I'm, I'm They're underdogs here. I'm calling them Thunderdogs, right? Okay. This is a fun underdog. This is a Thunderdog team, and yeah. people love to bet on Thunderdogs. And they're catching three and a half points. Are you serious? You go up to anybody and say you can take this Thunderdog, and not only do you get a field goal, you get three and a half points here. That is why so many of the betting public are coming in on the Cincinnati Bengals here against the most disrespected number one seed of the Tennessee Titans. That is completely different football team than the rest of the teams in this field. They are not the most efficient offense. They are not the team that's trying to avoid third downs. They are the team that's trying to smack you in the mouth on both sides of the football, drag you down into their waters where they reign supreme, right? It's like Aquaman or somebody who's got like super strength inside that water. And so they're trying to bring you off the shore into that water where they can bring out and unleash their strength. They don't want to battle you up on the land. That's where they're at their weakest. They want to battle you in the water. And I look at this team um, of the Tennessee Titans and I see a team that should have success in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And when I look at the Cincinnati Bengals team, I go down the list and why they really needed to beat that Kansas City Chiefs team is because when you look at teams that they have faced that ranked top 15 in total efficiency this year, they lost to the Packers, they lost to the Browns, they lost to the Chargers, and they lost to the 49ers. 0-4 prior to beating the Kansas City Chiefs, and that game was massively aided by penalties. They recorded six first downs via penalty. The refs were insane calling all these flags against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs had one first down via penalty. The penalty disparity in that game was enormous in favor of the Cincinnati Bengals. Despite that, the Kansas City Chiefs were up by 14 points two different times during that game. Obviously, great comeback. Joe Burrow couldn't miss to Jamar Chase. It was like watching Michael Jordan in his prime when he's just completely unconscious or Kobe putting up 80 points. Awesome. It was one of those it was one of those types of games that even though I was on the Chiefs, I had to sap, sit back and say this is marvelous to watch. Like, we might never see a game where these two, there's two players that are just so in tune like this again for the next several years. So you got to just laugh and enjoy it. When I look at this team and I look at the Cincinnati Bengals and I say, what is the strength of the Titans? They want to run the football and smack you in the mouth. How have the Cincinnati Bengals fared against teams like that that are good running the football? I go back and I look at, they have played six teams in games that mattered who have efficient rushing offenses led by running backs. I'm excluding the games against the Baltimore Ravens because the two games against the Baltimore Ravens, they're not efficient rushing offenses led by running backs. The only thing that makes the Baltimore Ravens a top 15 run offense is Lamar Jackson, a scrambling quarterback. That's not the case with the majority of the NFL. So put those games aside. I'm also ignoring the fact that they lost the Cincinnati Bengals did week 18 against the Cleveland Browns. Throw that game out as well because neither team was playing like their full complement of starters. How have the Cincinnati Bengals done against top 15 traditional rushing offenses? They're one and five in these games. And the only win was against that Kansas City Chiefs team. So 
They're one and four against top 15 overall teams. They're one and five against top 15 rushing teams. And you go to the Tennessee Titans, you might think, oh, they didn't play in a good schedule. They've played a much more difficult schedule than that of the Cincinnati Bengals. And you look at the Tennessee Titans and you say, well, could they even beat any of these teams? Could they even do anything in this postseason? They are four and oh this season against teams that are still alive in the playoffs. Four and oh in these games. They beat the Buffalo Bills. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They beat the LA Rams. This is a team, and, and I think the other one was the uh, was the 49ers. They won all four of those games. So I like the Titans here. I think they get their respect. I'm looking forward to watching this game. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The other Saturday night game is one that that the circumstances I wish were a little bit different. And and mainly the circumstances that I, I regret, that I have misgivings about, is San Francisco on a short week. I mean, it, it, it's kind of, it's just the way it, it fell out. But, and, and this is what happens when you're not a, a top seed. They played a Sunday afternoon game that drug into, you know, Sunday evening. And now they're back on short rest up against uh, Green Bay on the road. From my perspective, and, and, and I want to ask you um, about weather and injuries, but pr- from my perspective, this is San Francisco on its third straight road playoff game because. The game at the Rams week 18, that was for all intents and purposes, they were playing for their playoff lives. That was a playoff game last week on the road at Dallas. And now here we are um, at Green Bay, I think weather-wise by far the worst circumstances. I know that to be true. It's Lambeau. It's going to be under 20 degrees outside. Um, What's the forecast showing at the moment? So right now we're looking at Obviously, this game kicks off at 8.15. We're looking at 8 degrees, <laughs> dropping to 7. Now, it was actually, this is about the same temperature, maybe a degree warmer than it was in Buffalo the other uh, weekend against the Patriots. Um, we're looking at a feels-like temperature of minus 6 to minus 8. The reason that it's a little bit colder from that respect is because the wind is expected to be 11 miles per hour with gusts 16 to 17 miles per hour. Now, it doesn't seem like much. It's probably not going to be a major factor. This stadium, although it does get impacted by wind uh, when it blows more than other stadiums that have bigger walls and higher vertical enclosures surrounding them, um, is still better than Buffalo. Buffalo Stadium is just completely uh, just susceptible to, to wind there. Um, doesn't sound like a lot of wind, right? It's probably not going to be a major factor, but the colder that it is, that little bit of wind does make a bigger difference in terms of games uh, performances in general from from an offensive perspective. Uh, yeah. So overall, it's going to be dry though. Uh, it's it's just going to be a little gusty. And what's going to be interesting is I don't know where they're going to set up all the pregame shots this weekend. But if anybody is doing pregame shots in the afternoon on Saturday at like one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock before the the Titans game kicks off, you know it's going to be much windier there in Green Bay. So people are going to be tuning in and they're going to be watching TV. And at that point in time, it's going to be like 17 mile per hour winds with gusts over 20 and obviously very cold. And so it's going to look worse than it's probably going to be at kickoff. Oh, that's interesting. So you think there is some possibility, and and I know uh, what a shrewd market observer you are. Do you think the public plows in with some under money uh, as they watch that that bad weather Saturday afternoon? Um, well, I wouldn't necessarily call it bad weather. Like it is supposed to be clear. It's just going to be a little bit gusty. So again, it depends if it's a reporter who's standing there. You know, you you pay attention to these little things when you do this as long as I do. If it's a reporter who's standing there and it's a male reporter and he's got a beanie hat on and he's wearing gloves, 
um, and he's just standing outside the stadium, you're not really going to notice is his hair moving or anything else going around. But if it's a team that's sitting with their desks there and there's notes on the desk and it's a it's a reporter with longer hair, obviously, in this case, probably a female reporter with long hair and her hair's blowing around because of that wind, that's going to be more noticeable. So, you know, it, it all depends on who the shot is actually capturing and how long their hair is and do they have paper and all of those types of things. So, um, you know, things that the, the, the public who's drinking beers at two or three o'clock getting ready for these games, probably not paying close attention to, but yeah. things that, you know, my typically sober ass uh, firing in bets <laughs> and watching for every little detail on TV, mm. I'll, I'll be noticing, but I will also be aware that the winds will die down a little bit more closer to kickoff, but it's still going to be windier than it was in Buffalo last yeah, year. Yeah, and that, that cold in any breeze whatsoever there at Lambeau definitely impacts how I cap this game and the way that I'm sizing it up. But let's talk about the injury situation because that's the place where, from San Francisco's perspective, especially the short week is working against them. What's the up-to-the-minute indication on you know the two guys, Fred Warner and Nick Bosa, on the defensive side for San Francisco and then the up-to-the-minute, whatever they're saying about Jimmy G? I think both the defensive guys go. Um, I think Jimmy G goes as well. Uh, he said that when he was running with the football on that play through the interception that brought the Cowboys closer to pulling off the upset, I say upset because they were the underdogs at that point in the game. San Francisco had the lead and were was decisively going to win that game, but for that uh, play that made it much closer. Um, he said he lost grip of the football. Now, this was like late in the game. This was, I think it was in the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, the, the, whatever they had done to his thumb, maybe was started to wear off at that point in time. So they're going to have to do a little bit more to his thumb. You also got the throwing shoulder, which he said was a factor every time he threw the ball in the second half. And the statistics surely indicate that it was as well. The question is how much healing has occurred? How bad was the actual injury? It looked pretty innocuous. Like it didn't look that severe, but you know, when you, when you go back and examine the, the, the immediate reaction and the jarring nature of that hit, uh, that he takes on the ground and I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one, but I mean, it, it looks like it could be a factor, but Kyle Shanahan indicates it's not going to be a problem whatsoever for him in this game. It is going to be cold out. Um, so, you know, you're not going to have swelling or other things probably be that much of a factor given the the cold conditions. The bigger thing here, I think, is just that cold in general. I mean, Jimmy hasn't played a game in these temperatures. Uh, you know, you numb the finger or whatever they've been doing to it, but but it's different. The last two games that he's played with that injury have been both in domes. He played in LA, that's a dome. He played in Dallas, that's a dome. Now he's going up to Green Bay outdoors when it's going to feel like minus six degrees. Uh, I'm, I'm curious how that injury plays out, you know, and, and how he's able to do from a passing perspective, uh, it's going to be vital that he does not make the mistakes. As long as he doesn't have to throw a 30-yard completion, he doesn't have to, you know, go 13 to 13 in this game to win it. He can't make the mistakes. He can't, he has to be efficient enough underneath and he can't have a fumble. He can't have a turnover, those types of things. Well, it's impossible to to for us to just sort of go through these top-level factors like weather and injuries and not have it bleed into analysis a little bit. But the things that you just identified as the things that he can't do, you are asking him to not be Jimmy G. You're saying, Jimmy G, please be somebody that that's not Jimmy G for the purposes of this game. And this is really up to... Uh, Kyle Shanahan. It's in Kyle Shanahan's hands. Now, I we will start, you know, going through the analysis. I'll give you my breakdown in one second, but I did want to mention on the injury side that Green Bay has um, David Bakhtiari. He he came back, uh, I think, in Week 18, but I think he's he looks decent. You know, he's he's capable of moving. And then they, I think, they're going to get Jair, Jair Alexander back as well. Is is that what you're seeing? I don't know. That's still oh, to be determined. That's it did a TBD. not sound nearly. It did not sound nearly as good uh, from the report I heard just yesterday. Okay. All right. So that's a TBD, but they are going to have Bakhtiari, right? Again, to be determined. I'm expecting they might, but that's also up in the air. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I, I the Bakhtiari one I'd, I'd seen um, had a lot more positive spin to it. But in any event, um, I, I want to put my 
thoughts on this one, maybe in the form of a question to you in, in the first place. And I'll just confess my bias. In the second half of that game against uh, Dallas, I, I, you, you like to ask me um, sometimes like some fun trivia questions. I have one for you. I believe San Francisco had six drives in the second half. How many of those drives did the San Francisco 49ers against the Dallas Cowboys in the second half achieve 30 yards of offense generated? One, maybe. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you hedged it with maybe. The answer is zero. The, the, the longest drive that they sustained in the second half was 27 yards. It was the first drive that they, the first time they possessed the ball in the second half, uh, they possessed it for two, two minutes and, and 51 seconds. They ran seven plays and then it ended in a punt. The only drive in the second half that San Francisco scored on was a one play drive after a turnover from the Dallas 26, when Debo Samuel took a, a, a one of those jet sweeps and ran it right into the end zone. The other drives, they had four punts and an interception in the second half. My question to you is, is Kyle Shanahan a one-script pony? Because we came into that San Francisco-Dallas matchup, and look, we both hit. My favorite bet of the week by far, and I said this on the show, was the San Francisco money line. I laid into it heavy. San Francisco catching points. I laid into it heavy. I teased San Francisco up to two scores. I paired it with uh, Tampa Bay. That was a winner. There was a ton of ways to win on San Francisco last week, and there were a ton of reasons to believe in San Francisco in that matchup. It was great for them catching points as an underdog in that situation. It was all value across the entire board. The first half of that game played out exactly the way that we kind of imagined. Dallas could not stop them. They had a great script, a great concept to take advantage of, of, of Dallas's opportunistic defense. Now, there were a couple of occasions when San Francisco chose to kick field goals um, where we might have preferred for them to go for it and, and turn those threes into sevens. But still, they had absolute control of that game in the first half. The second half was a dramatically different story the, the the game script changed. We had to see Jimmy G actually go out and perform. And what we got was vintage Jimmy G, the classic Jimmy G performance. He damn near threw them out of that football game and permitted Dallas to come all the way back. I am enormously skeptical of San Francisco's chances for success on the road, their third straight playoff game, as far as I'm concerned, in the freezing cold, and Jimmy G with his thumb and his shoulder in t temperatures you just got through saying are unlike anything he's ever played in before. I am very much in favor of the Packers as the side here. Now, in terms of my own bets, there are very com uh, powerful competing trends going on here. You, you, you uh, fade the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G at your own risk when they're road underdogs because they have an outstanding performance as road underdogs through their entire relationship. On the other side of that, though, you have Aaron Rodgers at home at Lambeau, a wonderful uh, record against the spread and, and in playoff circumstances, as you kind of would expect, right, with Green Bay, the success they've had with Aaron Rodgers. So the way that I'm sizing this game up from my own card I'm going to tease Green Bay. I want to get through, you know, it's sitting at like five and a half right now. Get through the three, get them into a kind of a pick em position. And I'll tell you the other leg of the teaser in a second. And I'm leaning on the under in this game, again, because of the circumstances, because San Francisco's best chance at success has to be rushing the ball. They cannot put the ball in Jimmy G's hands to throw it. Um, and, you know, if, if Shanahan can devise a, a script, where San Francisco run, uh, is only throwing the ball three times, like what Belichick did against the Bills a handful of weeks ago, then then I'm ready, I'm prepared to accept the L. But I don't think they can do that. I like Green Bay. So the only thing I'll say to that, House, is the simple fact that a lot of your analysis to me appears to be based on last week 
as opposed to looking at the specific matchup that we have this week. I don't necessarily view Kyle Shanahan as this one-trick pony. I do view him as a guy who's not comfortable in his own skin when he has a lead late in a big game, and I don't necessarily trust that he's not going to blow said lead, but if he's playing from behind, I do trust him to call good plays to help his team come back. And when I'm Looking forward at the matchup against the Packers this week, the biggest thing that stands out to me is the simple fact that the Green Bay Packers run defense has absolutely not been tested this year. They've played the seventh easiest schedule of opposing run offenses. When you play the seventh easiest schedule, you would expect that the Packers run defense should be pretty good. Least average, probably better than average. Nope. Fifth worst in the NFL. And when you look at the fact that they have played only five teams that have traditional rushing offenses that rank better than 21st in the NFL this season, that's concerning. And the other factor is when you look at all those games, every single one of them was a close game. I know they had Jordan Love when they played the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's in there as well. I'm not talking about the fact that they lost all these games. What I'm saying is, all of them have been close. The only lone exception was the game that they played against the Seattle Seahawks when Russ came back from his mallet finger injury way too quick and clearly was not ready, and they lost that game to the Packers 17 to nothing. Let's rattle off the rest of these games. A super close two-point win against the San Francisco 49ers, lost to the Chiefs, a one-score win by eight points against the LA Rams. They had to come from behind to beat the Baltimore Ravens by one point, and that game against the Cleveland Browns on Christmas, So, where Baker Mayfield throws four interceptions and still only loses by two points. So all of these games were close games, so I just don't expect, unless Jimmy G is a complete disaster, which might happen in the second half after the numbing wears off. If he's fumbling the ball, like you said, that's just Jimmy G. Maybe it is. He was fine in the first half as they built a big lead against the Dallas Cowboys. So as long as he does not have those turnovers, I would be shocked that the 49ers can't run the ball here and keep this game within a score and make it very interesting from a point spread perspective. But if Jimmy G's injuries are too much to overcome or he makes the you know typical... Uh, one-off Jimmy G mistake, boneheaded decision, or takes a sack fumble, things like that, then, yeah, I mean, the Packers are going to cover this number in that situation. Let's go to the Sunday games, House, because these games are truly the most entertaining, in my opinion. Although I love San Francisco Green Bay, I'm excited to see how this one turns out. Um, what are you thinking along the lines of the Rams at the Bucks? Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, do they move on to the next round to continue their journey to repeat as Super Bowl champions? Man, I, I'm to for all of the good injury fortune that the Tampa Bay enjoyed in its run last year, where everybody got healthy all at once and they um, arrived at the playoffs at kind of full strength. It, it's almost a diametric opposite with with um, no AB a, obviously played himself out of out of the league. Antonio Brown, the injury uh, to Chris Godwin playoff Lenny um, didn't play last week, um, but I want to see playoff Lenny on the, on the football. He didn't play meaningfully on uh, last week. Playoff Lenny's dinged. Um, this is not the same version of that Tampa team that we uh, got to see last year when they went on their run. This game to me um, is is kind of a stay away. <laughs> like I, I I can see a couple different you know competing scripts here. You fade Tom Brady uh, at your own risk. The Rams are only two and five against the spread in their last seven games against teams with uh, w winning records. O on the other hand, you know the the Rams and uh, we 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 got it up close and personal. Their defense is really in form, and Von Miller is really in form. And the one way to make Tom Brady uncomfortable is to rush him and make him uncomfortable. And it looks like the Rams have the capacity to do that. The, the what what and you guys talked about this on the Wednesday Cheat Code podcast. Jalen Ramsey as the assigned responsibility to Mike Evans creates, you know, puts a lot of pressure on the Brady to Gronk matchup and, and secondary, you know, options, both running backs and tight end wise in terms of potential receivers. So th this one, I don't have a strong 
feel uh, for this game. This might be one that I sit out and just sit back and enjoy it. It is a very tough game. Um, I think back to the way I'm looking at this game is I'm going back to that 2018 Super Bowl where Tom Brady faced this defense of the Los Angeles Rams. And in that game, what did Tom Brady do? Tom Brady was under pressure. Here we've got um, your center. He's going to be on one foot with Ryan Jensen. I think he plays. He's probably going to be better than on one foot. But your left tackle, Tristan Wirfs, I think is going to be out. I would be shocked if he's able to play. Maybe he is, but right now that's to be determined. Um, I think Jensen probably practices today and is able to go in this game. Um, I think Brady's going to be under pressure a little bit. And in that last Super Bowl, Tom Brady threw the ball 35 times only completed 21 of them, and 12 of his completions, sorry, 10 of his completions went to Julian Edelman, the quick underneath slot guy who was always open and always there for him. Six went to Rob Gronkowski, and nobody else had uh, more than two catches in the game. So it's mainly Julian Edelman. Well, who's his number one go-to guy, as you kind of mentioned? It's, it's, it's Mike Evans, but he's not the slot guy catching these short passes underneath. Tom Brady needs to get rid of the ball quickly, too. Um, he's going to be also manned up by Jalen Ramsey. So what exactly are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to be able to do here offensively? I'm not quite sure. But where this game falls for me is with regard to what Sean McVay does offensively. In that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week three, he went 79% pass on first downs in the first half of the game. They switched up completely the last two weeks now that they've got healthy at the running back position and Cam Akers is out there and Sony Michelle's been doing well. Instead of 79% pass on these first half first downs, they're 82% run on first half first downs against the Niners in week 18 and last week 71% against the Arizona Cardinals. Does Sean McVay come back and go, to the pass? Or does he keep doing the run, which is the strength of the Bucks' defenses against the run? Does he stop on a dime and go to what is going to probably have more success? Sean McVay lost that Super Bowl, not because his defense didn't play well. They held Tom Brady to only 13 points, but because his offense and Jared Goff couldn't make any type of in-game adjustments to figure out what to do against the Patriots' defense. That game plan that Belichick and Brian Flores created was suffocating this offense, and they never figured out what they needed to do against it. This game, to me, falls on Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. Did Sean McVay make the right decision to grab Stafford? And can Sean McVay come up with a game plan that's going to have success and make the in-game adjustments necessary that a really good coach, a Super Bowl champion caliber coach, is capable of making? I think it's going to be fun to watch from that perspective. You don't have a side in this one, your own self? Not yet. Not I mean, because there's a lot of great competing that's narratives. Not to say that, that's not to say that something's not going to come down the pike, but not yeah. yet. Yeah, I love you know the the matchup of of Todd Bowles blitzing and the and the blitz frequency that he enjoys going up against Matthew Stafford, who's been awesome against the blitz. Some of the narratives around like oh uh, uh, the Rams going short week from West Coast to East Coast, and yet on the other hand, McVay's been awesome at that. They're like twelve and three over his career and three and zero oh, you know uh, against a spread. Like uh, recently, I think this 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 season is is that number. Um, so there's a bunch of competing storylines here that I'm 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 thrilled to see um, line up, but I just don't have a strong feel for it. Okay, so now let's move to the crowning jewel of the weekend. The last game of the weekend, we'll figure out who makes to the conference championships and all those games once we know the winner of this one, which is the Buffalo Bills. Catching two to two and a half points has gone down to one and a half at some spots. Lots of sharp money has been coming in on the Buffalo Bills as the road underdog in Kansas City. And they are taking on the Chiefs. The total open at 54 and is sitting at 54 as we speak. What is your strongest opinion of this game, House? So I love this game. We're so lucky. This is really the the culmination of of all that we've been through with the 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 season and last week's wild card. Some of those games, many of those games were duds. This game is not going to be a dud. This is going to be an incredible football game. My question to you, are the Buffalo Bills the new Kansas City Chiefs? This has been an incredible flip the script kind of of situation. The run that the Bills have been on since the second, since halftime against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they just score and score and score and score and score. They've been unbelievable. I think their their average um, 
win has been at 18 points since that second half against Tampa. They've been on an incredible run. We watched last week what many in the analytics community have been touting as perhaps the most the, 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 the most efficient and perfect offensive performance by any team in NFL playoff history, helmed by the unstoppable Josh Allen and the feel that the Bills are giving off is the kind of feeling we used to have with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, which is if they get the ball at anywhere on the football field at any point in the game, and it doesn't matter situationally what it is, they are a threat to score a touchdown. I feel that way right now with the Buffalo Bills, and I cannot. I listened to the show you guys did, you and Solak, and, and I've been doing a bunch of reading. I can't come up with the 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 thesis for how Kansas City can slow Buffalo down. It's a it's a bad matchup for this Kansas City defense, even though kudos to Spags and kudos to the Chiefs for reinventing a, a, what was a god-awful defense early in the season. They invigorated. They did some switching around, positioning uh, Chris Jones in a different place, and I know uh, Mike Ingram uh, moved as well. I, I just um, can't come up with, you know, a, a version of this where the Chiefs slow the Bills down. By contradistinction, you know, the, the Chiefs have also been firing pretty well here lately. They, they I, I like very much, um, you know, uh, what they've done to uh, deal with the, the running back injuries. Um, Jarek McKinnon, you called it last week, a ton of touches. Um, we'll see Tyree Keel touches out of the backfield as well. Um, and, and, you know, this really comes down to Kelsey, how active he is, how many targets he gets. I, I like the Bills. I like the Bills' money line. I like them catching the points. I like the over in this game. I feel like it's going to be a shootout. What do you got for us? So um, one thing I will tell you is I would prefer that you just bet the Bills plus the points simply because so many people and so many sharp guys are betting the Bills on the money line that it's lowering the value that you're going oh. to get there. So even though it doesn't seem like anything, if you can get two, two and a half points, please just take Buffalo with the points. Don't try to get a couple extra cents back by taking them on the money line in the event that they lose by one to two points here. Um, that would be a strong recommendation from me. Uh, you can bet some futures on future matchups of Buffalo to advance to the Super Bowl or various different things that you can then hedge off of in the next round if you think Buffalo wins this game. But I would not be betting Buffalo money line. That's my first point of advice. My second point here in terms of what I think is going to happen in this game is I think the odds makers set this total incorrectly. And the reason I think that is because if you look at the math and you look at the data and you look at who these, you know, what these teams have done, you're going to come up with a number that's probably not even 54 points. It's probably going to be a little bit lower. And so they inflated it a touch in order to try to dissuade so much over money from coming in. They're like, well, we made this game 51 or 52 or 52 and a half. We're going to set it up to 54. We don't want any, we don't want to book any of that sharp money we, because we're scared of this game going over the total. We'd rather people bet the under here. So they set a number that's a little bit too high, can't be supported. The only reason it can't be supported is because the Buffalo Bills defense has literally played nobody. They've played the second easiest schedule of opposing offenses of any team. It's been a joke about the good offenses that they've played. It's literally been Mac Jones in three games. It's been Carson Wentz in one game. It's been Patrick Mahomes in the other game. They, they really have not played any good, capable offenses if you, if you exclude the game against Tom Brady as well. So Tom Brady puts up 33 against these guys. Patrick Mahomes punts, I think, once in that game. Um, both those games go over the total. The bigger factor here, though, is we've seen this is the third game that these teams have played in the same exact venue in the last 12 months. Both of the prior times, the total was set higher than this. Both of the prior times, the total went over. And both of the prior times, something major was going on with the game that would suppress scoring. In the first game, I don't think people remember this. I have not heard a single person talking about this house. Do people not remember that Patrick Mahomes was dealing with a concussion and major turf toe after the Cleveland Browns game that he was dealing with in that AFC championship game? And people weren't sure if he was going to be at 100% or what he was going to be able to do. I mean, that was a major question mark, let alone the fact that the KCO line was not even close to 100%. It clearly was what 
caused them to lose the Super Bowl. Now, they lost a guy or two during this game in the AFC Championship when they played the Bills mid-game. They still scored a ton of points in the game, even with Patrick Mahomes dealing with his turf toe and even with the O-line the way that it was. Then you go to the game that they played this year in Buffalo that scored 58 points, and that was a game that a massive thunderstorm rolled through mid-game. Caused so much weather during the game in terms of lightning and heavy rain and wind that they delayed the game. The team sat in the locker room for like 40 more minutes just doing nothing, waiting. Buffalo, Remember, Buffalo was in that stuffy locker room and they couldn't That's breathe right. and all this stuff. So then the, it was raining in the second half. I think people forget these things. People don't go back and rewatch these games or don't understand it. That game was also horrendously officiated by a, I don't even want to say what I think, this guy named Carl Cheffers who was completely calling way more penalties against the offenses in that game. Go back and rewatch it. You'll be just shocked at how horrible this guy was, how he was calling everything. The refs, uh, uh, sorry, the announcers were commenting on it. Bottom line for me is that I think it's funny that people are just looking at their computer models and using that as the only thing to want to bet this under. I think we're getting a gift here. It's not often that we're getting a gift like this. Um, you have to kind of throw your model out because these two teams don't play offenses like these two teams have hardly at all this season. And so when they go up against somebody like this and they're not going to be settling for field goals and they're going to be super aggressive and they're going to hit some explosive plays, as long as there's not red zone turnovers, terrible luck like that, as as long as, and, and plus the weather is supposed to be perfect. I couldn't believe it. Not even going to get to 32 degrees. It's going to be like 34, 35 degrees here. No wind to speak of. I mean, I, I love this over house. I just gotta, I gotta say it. I, I love this over and it's not something that's supported by my computer model, but there are occasions when I simply bet the matchups, the teams, the coaches, the strategies, the situations, and the history. And all of those things are lining up for this game to go over the total, in my opinion. I think it's hard to pick the winner. I think the Chiefs and the Bills both have a ton to prove here. I think if either one of them loses this game, it's gonna devastate them. Their season is absolutely going to be ruined. You can't say that for the Bills last year, who hadn't won a playoff game since 1995 before they made it all the way to the AFC Championship game. They were disappointed they didn't get to the Super Bowl. Their season was still a success. They spent all offseason working towards beating this singular opponent. Who the hell cares what happened in Week 5? It's irrelevant that they won that game. All that matters for them now is this game. If they can't get by the Chiefs, their season is a failure. And the Kansas City Chiefs lost in the Super Bowl last year. If they don't get back and win it this year, they are a failure this year as well. Patrick Mahomes is set to make a significant higher money against the cap hit next year than he was this year. They built up this team really well because he ha still has a cheap cap hit for this one extra year. If they lose, it's a disaster for them too. I think there's a ton on the line here. And I think both of these teams are going to be just gunning for one another. It's going to be great. Yeah, and I, I am not going to plow into this game the same way that I'm lining up the, um, the Tennessee opportunity. I like that one a lot better. Um, but I am going to roll with the Bills. Now, you proceed you know, at, at, at your own risk if you're going against Mahomes, if you're going against Andy Reid. I mean, Mahomes, the Chiefs are 14-4-1 when Mahomes is a three-point favorite or shorter, you know, that 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 that's against the spread in his in his lifetime. They've won nine of the last eleven, with the two losses being uh in the Super Bowl last year and the Bills game earlier this year. So, you know, this is this is the the big dog sitting on top. You have the underdog wanting to come in and and part of what's definitely informing my view on this Bills situation is that performance that they put up against the Patriots was was an all-timer once in a lifetime kind of performance, but I do like both teams scoring a, a bunch of points. I'm putting the bills uh, right now. I can get it up to across the seven as the other leg to my teaser. If I tease green Bay down to pick them or even getting a little bit of points against San Francisco, just Aaron Rodgers at home. I mar marry that up with the bills plus seven and a half or plus eight, depending on where this kind of lands. How do you feel about that teaser? Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't hate you don't it. Love I do it. think <laughs> you don't I, I, love I, it. I, I don't, I don't really have a strong opinion on it. Buffalo is a great teaser. Like the only problem is the total so high. So there's going to be a lot of variance expected out of this game. You normally don't want to tease dogs that have totals that are this high, especially when you think that they could go over the total. That being said, I mean, I do 
I would be very surprised if Buffalo doesn't score at least 30 points in this game. Um, and so, you know, could that be enough to like hang within a teaser? Yeah, I, I think by the proper teaser strategy, Buffalo is the best teaser leg that is on the board here. Uh, it's a matter of finding that pairing to them. Um, you could argue that it might be the, the the Rams would be a better pairing than the Packers, or you could argue that the Packers to the Rams would be a better teaser than incorporating the Bills due to the high total. There's a couple ways that you could go with it, um, but I'm not going to kill you for that one. Yeah, I might I might go ahead and put that. That might be the way that I play that Rams-Bucks game, so I have a tiny bit of action in it. I have a vested interest. It's amazing. We've made it to this point in the season. The two best games of the weekend are both on Sunday. Clear the decks, clear the boards, get out the menu. Think about what you want to eat. It's going to start in the mid afternoon and run us through all the way into well into past dinner time. It's going to be a hell of a lineup, buddy. It will be. And I can't wait for the best weekend of the year. I hope everybody stays safe, enjoys themselves the next 12, 24 hours until we get to these games uh, because you got to be operating at your peak capacity of enjoyment for them. And and that'll do it, House. I mean, I'm, yeah. I was really excited to break these games down with you. And of course, we only have two games uh, next weekend. And as a result of that, we will not be doing a show on Monday. So just be, be prepared that we'll still be hitting Ben Solak up at the normally scheduled time and obviously house, but we'll be bypassing the Monday show. Um, we'll be back looking forward to breaking down these conference championship games next Wednesday with you. So that'll do it. Thanks to Joe House for joining me. Thanks to Mike Wargron and Craig Holbrook for producing it. We will see you guys next Wednesday. Best of luck in all your bets this weekend. <laughs>